listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. And now, here's R.J. Bell. What a day. You heard it. I'm R.J. Live in Las Vegas. Live on 225 stations. Live on a Thursday. Those stations are across this great, great nation, and a great nation for sports talk. Two historic, you'll talk about them in years to come, type games. One team stepping up, another team getting stepped on. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we have a wild night last night in the NBA to look back on and a huge Game 6 in the Eastern Conference to look forward to what is the Vegas lead here on this Thursday. Let's start with the 76ers and a historic um, fold, a historic allowing a team to come back and if you consider the game before, I don't know if we've ever seen two games with this kind of comeback late to, to have a team take a series lead. Yeah, it was a little role reversal. The Atlanta sports fan is used to their teams having a big lead and blowing that lead. But last night, it was the other way around. Philadelphia at home with a monster lead over the Atlanta Hawks, only to see it all dwindle away late. And it was Atlanta, a 109-106 win. The Hawks have a 3-2 series lead. Now, Jonas, that was a little mean of you, wasn't it? You add a little color to things. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine there's any Atlanta fan that would have taken this win over the Super Bowl win? And which, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, it just, you know, you got to, you got to focus on what's the present. And the present is your team isn't known as the team that blows lead. It's, it's the 76ers now. (laughs) Systematically. Scapegoated and demonized. <laughs> That's Jonas Knox, everyone. I'm R.J. Bell. <laughs> What's interesting is, I don't know if you saw this, you probably did, Jonas, is based on some of the calculations of what the odds were for the uh, uh, Patriots to come back, it was 98.7% that Atlanta Haw- or the Falcons would win. And last night, it was exactly 98.7% that Philadelphia would hold the lead. So it was actually, based on the one algorithm, an identical, unlikely comeback. It really was that unlikely. And listen, it's 6 Eastern. You've heard all the stuff, and it's noteworthy. 
I mean, Embiid and Curry, the only two to score a bucket in the entire second half. Ben Simmons in the fourth quarter, zero field goal attempts. Zero. Didn't even bother trying. And you know how many he had the game before? Zero. So when you have a big two in theory, and one of the big two has zero field goal attempts in two fourth quarters, that's half of a game, not good, not good. And we've heard, uh, you know, a lot of the other, you know, shocking trends and all that, and and uh, or at least takeaways from the game. Simmons, thirty-three percent now, field goals on the playoffs across the playoffs, second worst in the modern era. Dwight Howard, Ryan Rosillo had this today, had a usage rate higher than Ben Simmons. So think about this: creaky Dwight Howard wins the title with the Lakers last year, and they don't even retain him, and he's actually handling the ball, shooting, passing, assisting, all the things that go into usage more than Ben Simmons in the game. And I will say this, and we can act like I didn't say it, but we'd be lying. And as I always say, I'd rather brag a little bit and be truthful than be falsely modest. Jonas Embiid did not look good again late in these games. And it could have been that he, we thought maybe it was he tweaked that knee. And in the fourth quarter or the second half of the prior game, we saw the result of the tweaked knee. But he looked mighty good in the first half, but didn't look so good or looked horrible. Even though Embiid was one of the ones getting buckets, he certainly didn't have a good fourth quarter. And to me, that was a sign. And I can I can pull the fourth quarter stuff up right now, but to me that's a sign. So this was game five, the most recent game, fourth quarter. Embiid was one of five on field goal attempts, one of five, and we were wondering, and we said, we called him out. Why is he in games, as you said, that's been decided, meaning one games. Now, maybe in hindsight, they needed him in because they could have gave up another lead. But it felt like it was a sure thing at that point. He's still in, and now it looks like his knee isn't so much tweaked. It looks like he's getting fatigued late in these games. What are you seeing with Embiid? Yeah, no, it's fatigue. He, he looks tired in these games. He got off to a hot start, and I think we all kind of expected that because he played so poorly in the prior game that you thought, okay, he's going to come out fired up, and Philadelphia is going to be you know, extra motivated and excited in front of their home crowd. And and Bede came out like that, and it had all the makings of a blowout. It just seemed like we were going to go to a game six, and the Hawks were going to try and survive on their home floor. And then he just looked more and more gassed as the game went on. Atlanta was hitting shots. Philadelphia's uh, players outside of their number one couldn't get a bucket, and there was no answers. And then he goes to the foul line, misses two free throws late. It was just a bad ending to a really strong start for Joel Embiid. I mean, talk about a blowout. They had a 26-point lead. But if you look at it, they were up by 24 uh, in this before halftime, then 25, then 26, all the way. So the last mm, five minutes of the second quarter, they're up right around 25. Then there's a little bit of a run of Atlanta after halftime. But they're back up to 26 as you move into the third quarter. And as late as like two minutes left in the third, they're up by like 23 
So, I mean, this is, and that's where it was at 98.7. It's one thing to be up 26 right after halftime, but to be up 23 with only 14 minutes left in the game, that is the shocker of all shockers. And if you look at the actual uh, likelihood of winning line, it looks like a big, someone just ate a big hot fudge Sunday and it's all gutted out. And right at the top, <laughs> it came up the other way. I mean, it was like with, I mean, it looked like with maybe eight minutes left in the game, even though they were coming back, they were still so far behind. I mean, they were down by 10 with like four minutes left. And again, that's not insurmountable, but even those kind of leads are, are, are well over 90%. And the only lead, there was one time the game was tied and one lead change. The entire game, there was one lead change. Philly took off, ran out, and then just Atlanta, one step at a time, came back. Trey Young, I mean, how much do you upgrade Trey Young at this point? I mean, he's been one of the, I think, breakout stars of the postseason. Not, I mean, just from, you know, style of play and all that, he's an exciting player. But he's been really, really good. Uh, he's especially been good on the road. I think, uh, and we talked about this, the, the feedback from Madison Square Garden and the fact that they made him the villain, I think, speaks volumes about where the respect level is for him. Because you only, you only get that type of reaction, like a Reggie Miller type reaction, if they respect your game. So his game is being respected uh, opposing fans are attacking him which tells you the threat is real and then he's only uh, he's shown up virtually every game this postseason and played at a high level and I don't know that a lot of people saw that because he's always the guy that's compared to Luka Doncic uh, based on their draft day experiences yeah no doubt and I think the the number of shots that he took early in his career, Trey Young, the Luca trade, and the choice with Luca, it certainly has colored the commentary on Young. What we're seeing is he's built for the playoffs, it would seem. He's not afraid, and he's a good passer. And that's the thing I think that even when these playoffs started, most people didn't see how good of a passer Trey Young is. Though he doesn't love to pass, he can do it. And to me, that's an important skill set for him. And uh, you would think, oh my God, disaster for Philly. But if you look now at game six, the 76ers are favored by three points. Three points. So, Mackenzie, if we look back at the archive of the line, what has Philly Philly on the road, what's the line been the prior games? So, it looks like, uh, hold on, just give me two seconds. Okay, yeah, I mean, no reason to have this game up. <laughs> he's, he's, handicap, he's handicapping the night game. All right, I, I got it here. So, in game three, they were two-point favorites, and in game four, they were two, uh, three-and-a-half-point favorites was the close. Okay, so now think about that. The game four was after destruction in game two, Philly dominating, tying it 1-1. Then Philly went to Atlanta on that Friday night, dominated, and it was like, uh uh-oh. The only concern was a weekend in Atlanta for Philly seemed like that was a problem. But at that point, it felt like, in hindsight, it looked like that was a problem. But that line felt like they were saying the series was over, that they had solved Trey Young, and now it's 3 3 and a half Philly. Jonas, we have pretty much the same line right here. So what the market is saying is, yes, Atlanta has pulled two shockers, 
But we still believe the Sixers are fundamentally the better team by a big margin. When you're a three-point road favorite, I mean, it's saying you're at least five points better. Five points better. Doesn't, doesn't Philly's inability to keep a lead, doesn't it make you disinclined to think that the Sixers are five points better? As a fan, does that seem right? No, it doesn't seem right, especially last night happened at home. I mean, it's one thing if, you know, Atlanta's got, you know, momentum and the, and the crowd is behind them and they're, you know, on, firing on all cylinders. Like we saw Brooklyn the other night. They played with emotion and they did so at home, which, which you, you would think had a little bit of a factor in them getting into that game. That was at home and Philadelphia melted down. So the idea that we're still that confident in a team which should have had every reason to want to close the door and, and, and close up that game last night in strong fashion based on what happened in the previous game. The fact that there's still faith in that team heading into Atlanta in Game Six, I, unless unless the feeling is they're just a significantly better team in the eyes of a lot of people, I just don't know how you're confident in that team right now. I, I think that we believe they were significantly a better team after Game, especially after Game Three. I mean, there yeah. really was a sense it was over. The fact is, line is the same as it was entering Game Three, as if the prior two games haven't even happened. Yeah, I mean, think about it. What's happened is, uh, or, or I guess in, um, let's think about that. Yeah, it was game three and then game four. So uh, hmm, that's interesting. I and mean, game four, game four was the the highest line. That was after the weekend. And to me, what's happened since is in game four they gave up a big lead, and in game five they gave up a big lead. So the only thing that's happened is Atlanta's come back twice, and the line hasn't moved any since the last time the Philly was in Atlanta. And you know why? It's because it's an elimination game. But I'm going to pose this. I don't know if that's a positive for this team that has trouble with pressure. And also, their best player has shown you a significant... I don't want to say decline physically, but he's shown you that he's at least compromised. And then he showed you last night that he's compromised late in a game to where he was clearly fatigued and landed awkwardly again on, on his knee and was a little bit hobbled at one point during that fourth quarter. So I don't know how you how that leads to anybody's confidence level. I agree. So here's what we're going to do. When we come back, two things. One, I may have a best bet already on this game, and it's not going to be on the game itself. I'm going to look to approach this early best bet another way. Also, I think there's a question the Sixers have to answer. And it's not, is Ben Simmons coming back or not? It's rather something a gambler can answer best, and we'll try to do it for him. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I must get this money. I must get this money. Get this money. Get this money. I predict this to balling. I have to get my cash. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a closer look at a wild night in the NBA playoffs. It's official. We're going to have an impromptu best bet. That's about as good of a day as you can join possibly. We've been red hot. Off of cash last night, Jonas, I was waiting for you to mention something about the under. Uh, how long would I have had to wait before you would have said, great job, buddy. Thanks for winning the nation money. 
Well, I wanted it to make it seem like we cared about the Philly fan base, that we were concerned about their well-being, and then only to drop it at some point in the show that all we cared about was the fact that we hit the under. Like that it went yeah. under. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Mackenzie brings up a good point. Embiid had made 20 consecutive free throws, and then he missed late. And you could say, hey, how can you do better than 20 out of 22 or whatever? And it's like, now, did he miss two or one? Missed both. Oh, ooh, oofa. Well, you know, that's interesting. What's his season um, field goal percentage or free throw percentage? It looks like it's um... – sorry. No, take a minute. So – 86% well. 86%. So the odds of him missing two straight free throws, Jonas. Yeah. Check this out. I'm doing a little calculation right here. The odds of that are 1 in 500. <laughs> 1 in 500. Uh, it feels like the pressure might have had a little something to do with it. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. The audience has doubled. Thank you so much. In the last year plus, that's you, and we're going to continue working hard for you. That's why we do the show. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search straight out of Vegas. Here in Vegas on the Strip, whoo, 114 degrees. The neon is bubbling. So, RJ, we've been talking a lot about those games from last night, and we started the show talking about the collapse in Philadelphia with the Atlanta Hawks on the road taking a 3-2 series lead, but underdogs coming up in Game 6 at home. Yeah, so let's do this first, though. Let's deliver on the tease in which we talked about a humongous decision that a gambler, that a professional that bets sports is probably better able to make than a GM. And speaking of that, I don't know if you've been reading Jonas with the Dallas Mavs and yeah. a former sports better and, and, and now with the coach, uh, the only championship Carlisle ever of the Mavs was, was the guy that got it is out. What a power disruption. And obviously, Luca's is pulling based on the athletic. Luca is the king of this place. Like if someone says looks at him the wrong way, <laughs> Mark Cuban doesn't even sit beside him anymore. But but here's the question the Sixers need to answer. And the thing to think about with the Sixers is if they can somehow get past this round and really right now, the odds say it's a 60% chance that Atlanta gets there, but a 40% chance that Philly does. So, I mean, it's it's not big at all, the idea of, like, what kind of Dutch or what kind of um, hole Philly has to dig themselves out of. Let's assume they – let's, for the sake of this conversation, accept that it's very possible. And I think that's not even debatable. It's possible. Okay. If – Harden or Kyrie get hurt in a major way, or I guess we don't even know if Kyrie's coming back, yeah. when, if. So Harden pulls out hamstring again, and he's playing tonight, right? Is, isn't Philly a favorite to get to the finals at that point if they get past the Hawks? If, I mean, if, if you only got one, if it's only Durant, Philly's a big favor, don't you think? I would think so. I mean, that that would be my going, especially leading into, or even just a couple of games ago, my, my thought would be if the injuries continue to pile up for Brooklyn, but they still get past Milwaukee, that the feeling for me is that Philadelphia would have the advantage. I think, that, well, I guess the injuries are the driver, right? But with only yeah. KD, I think they have 
the um, advantage for sure, for yeah. sure. Now, so what we're saying here is that they have almost a 50% chance to get to the conference finals, the Sixers, and they'd be favored if just one thing happens. You know, Harden hurts himself again, you know, which seems to be pretty possible. And then are they going to be what against who? I mean, maybe the Clippers, if they get hot, are going to be favored over them. But what we're saying here is this Philadelphia team could win the title this year and it not be that big of a deal. Meaning it, it wouldn't be that shocking if they won a title this year. But also, on the herd right here in FSR today, Colin spent 10 minutes talking about that this was a necessary, painful experience because this tells Philadelphia for sure that this isn't going to work with Simmons and that it's time to bust it up. Now, how can there be... At the same time, and I think that's a very valid if, – if Philly could easily lose this next game, too, and be eliminated. And at that point, I think the temptation to bust it up is going to be strong. So we have a team that very well could win their first title since 1983, and the process payoff – and that same team could have one of the worst defeats in memory, if not worst, for them. And if you consider, I mean, not just for Philadelphia, but if you consider giving up those two leads it, it, for a number one seed to go out in the second round, it'll be one of the worst losses in the last 20 years, this century. How do we think of those two things at the same time? And you know what? No matter which of the two happen, the other one could have happened. Meaning, if somehow they lose this next game, the Sixers, it doesn't mean they couldn't have won the title. It means that just a shot or two maybe fell one way. And they lost, but they could have won. And if they would have won the one game, they would have won a title. Don't forget Toronto against Milwaukee a couple years ago. Uh, Toronto was uh, down 0-2. Game three went into overtime. There was two or three shots that the, that Milwaukee had to go up 3-0. Literally shots where the ball was in the air. The time's ticking off, Jones, you probably remember. And if they would have made it, it would have been you know insurmountable in theory. But the, one, the shot didn't fall. Toronto wins in overtime, and they win a title. It happens like that. So this Sixers decision is probably going to be driven by what happens, but should it be? That's the question. That's what a gambler is going to think about. Because what you got to answer one question. This is the question, and no, I haven't heard anyone ask it. Is what's happening to the Sixers bad luck, or is this something about this team? Because it very well, we could say, hey, Embiid made 20 straight free throws, and he missed two. It's almost you know, statistically so unlikely. Choker, choker, Simmons won't shoot in the fourth quarter. You know, he, she, he's scared. And, oh, I don't know if you've heard about this, but Doc has had a few losses when they've had leads in series. <laughs> and, and no one else has really said this that I've heard. But Daryl Morey, the GM, is kind of known for letting some leads go late at Houston. Yeah. So it feels like they almost said, 
Well, we got a Sixers team that that doesn't seem to step up when the pressure's on. Who's the best coach that will bring in the most hacks, the most bad juju when it comes to close games in the playoffs? Well, Doc Rivers. Well, bring him in. And who's the GM that has the you know is probably the most renowned for giving up leads? Houston up three two to the Golden State Warriors, et cetera, et cetera, twice. Oh look, Daryl Morey. Let's get him. I mean, no one's really talked about like the confluence of all these chokers, or are they chokers? Or has it all been bad luck, Jonas? What's your gut feeling on it? Because that answer, if they're chokers, you got to break them up. If they're not chokers, how can you break up a team that very easily could win a title this year? I think the injuries to Brooklyn and the injuries out West have changed the expectations for a couple of teams, most notably Philadelphia and Milwaukee, because it feels like those are the two teams that if they don't get over the hump this year with the injuries changing the expectations for what they were you know, supposed to do in the postseason, even though Philly was the number one seed, everybody still looked at Brooklyn like the team to beat. I think the injuries change the expectations on the fly, and, and that's sort of where we're at when it comes to what's going to happen because the two teams that are going to see over a bunch of overhauls, uh, if it doesn't go the way that, that, it's, that it was projected to go after the injuries, are going to be Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Well, first off, obviously, and you see this too, only one of them could make, even make the finals. Yeah. So but- by definition, one of them is going to be a big failure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, based on injuries. Yeah, and, and, and what I'm saying is, as fans, I see that perspective. But if you're a decision maker in Philadelphia, if you're the ownership group in Philadelphia, do you let – in sports betting, and this is why a gambler is best suited for this, in sports betting it's called being too results-based. So the classic thing in Hold'em is you get it in good with a set, three of a kind – and they've got a flush draw, and you actually, it's not only, you know, it's river time, it's not only they got to hit the flush, but they can't pair up, and boom, the flush hits. Did you do wrong? No. I mean, in poker, you just kind of shake it off. Now, listen, sometimes if you have a couple of those in a row, it can be tough to shake it off. But it, it, and the irony here is they say trust the process. Or at least it's pro, it's at least they say be process oriented. Don't be results based. Wouldn't we only be results based if we let how this game and another couple games go? What does that really mean in the scheme of how good Simmons and Embiid is? When when Buffalo missed that field goal against the Giants and Bill Parcells. Uh, Norwood, 48 yards, missed it. Did that really say anything about the Bills organization? No. Right? So no. Marv Levy didn't get fired, thankfully. <laughs> and, well, maybe not. Maybe the Bills think maybe if he did with Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly and Andre Reid, and that was my Tecmo team, by the way, <laughs> is it could, be a situa- it could be a situation where they could have won a title with someone else. Who knows? But it just strikes me that for an organization – that had the motto, trust the process, that had hedge fund guys owning it, had a hedge fund type running it initially during the process, they are going to likely be faced with, are they going to be results-based or are they going to be process-based? 
And if you are process-based, what's your conclusion from this series? Is it that, yes, we're just prone to give up 25-point leads? Or is it it's about a 2% chance we'd give up a 20-point lead and it happened? And things like that happen. Trust the process. What would you, so, Jonas, if you were the GM, and my best bet's coming up in 30 seconds, what would you do if the Sixers lose in Game 6? I would see what I could get on the market for Ben Simmons. And not that I would, you know, no doubt trade him. What would no you have to what. get? What would you have to get for him to think it's a? Where do you have Simmons ranked one to what? Is he number? Is he a top twenty player oh, to you? God, I don't know. No, I don't think he's a top twenty player. Um, top forty? Yeah, yeah, I would say top forty. Um, just, I mean, he's a, g- a great defender. Um, you know, makes you know a, a good passer, good decision maker on the floor. He just can't score. He can't shoot, and, and it seems like he's afraid to at this point, uh, just based on some of the criticism he's gotten and how it looks. So because of that, that's a major part of today's NBA that he doesn't doesn't supply. And so if I could get some a player in return, maybe a draft pick, somebody that I felt like was an upgrade as a score that could take the load off Joel Embiid uh, for, on a nightly basis, then, then I would go that direction. But, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion. I'm just going to trade him for anything. That's Jonas Knox. McKenzie, Bill Simmons did a top 40 on his pod. See if it's somewhere where there's a list. I want to look at the um, like five or six players between like 28 and 32, and we'll see if Jonas would trade Ben Simmons for these players because it'll be interesting to see where that threshold is if we can find the list. Here's my best bet, and I am going to give it out impromptu style. Oh, we have the list up, Jonas. Is we are taking... The 76ers in the first half of the game on Friday, tomorrow. That's in Atlanta. Now, the game line is minus three. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, the Sixers have played really poorly in the second half. (laughs) And you know what? They've played shockingly good in the first half. So, I mean, if if you just look at the first half, Mackenzie, pull up the chart that we got all the game flows and what's been, or or I guess you could just look at the box score because they're going to have the half. What's been the halftime lead of Philly uh, in these games? And I guess maybe in the first game they were behind. I can't remember. Yeah, the first game they were behind. Uh, second game they were up by 10. All right, so Philly up by 10. Go ahead. Third game they were up by 18. Okay, 18. I like it. Fourth game they were up by 18 at half. Okay. And fifth game? One second, yesterday's game, wow. Uh, like 25, right? Yeah, 21-point lead at half. I think there's a trend, I see, Jonas. <laughs> and you know what? Typically, the market would account for this. You would think if the line's minus three, you'd be like, maybe it's going to be minus three in the first half and pick him in the second. Nope, they're not accounting for it. Right now, you can get Philly in the first half minus one and a half. Exactly half of minus three. Do the math. This is exploiting the cockroaches, Jonas. They just had no one's jumped on this yet. Cockroaches. <laughs> cockroaches, yeah. I mean, can you really? I mean, whatever doubt you. I mean, how much better do you like Philly in the first half than you'd like Philly for the game? Oh, especially, you know, this is going to be multiple games in a row. They've needed to come out and make a statement on a previous ending to the to the prior game. And we've already and seen And Bede won't them. be fatigued? No, not going to be fatigued. Yeah, I think it makes all the sense in the world. 
right, so before we go to what's trending, here is... All right, so this is interesting. Is Ben Simmons is number 27 on Bill Simmons' list. So I'm going to give you two guys before it and two guys after it. Two before him, 25, Julius Randle. 26, Jalen Brown. 28, Bam from Miami. And 29, injured in all, Clay Thompson. Let's set Clay Thompson aside because of the injury issue. And let's go with number 30, DeAndre Ayton. So you've got four teams or four players to consider. Ayton, Bam, Jalen Brown, Julius Randle. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. RJ Bell, we are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And RJ, we've been talking about the situation in Philadelphia, what the future could hold if these Sixers are eliminated by the Atlanta Hawks, now down three games to do. No, Jonas, what we're talking about is who you're going to take over Ben Simmons. I want to hear a yes or no as I rattle off these names. Julius Randle, do you take him for Ben Simmons? No. Jalen Brown? Yes. Bam Adebayo. No. DeAndre Ayton. No. Boy, you love Ben Simmons. <laughs> That's Jonas Knox. <laughs> I'm, I'm RJ Bell. Hey, let's get to the Clippers real quick. We got a couple of real insightful things with the Clips game. Yeah, and the uh, L.A. Clippers get it done. No Kawhi, no problem. On the road, 119-111 the final. Surprisingly, L.A., a significant underdog going into that game, as we discussed yesterday, but they get it done. They have a 3-2 series lead. McKenzie had one of the best breaks he's ever had. And it's so funny. He like rattled off three things that were like literally once-a-week level insights from him. Three in one break. And Spencer was sitting there with a smirk on his face. I just couldn't wait for Spencer to say, I've been freeing him, him up for this kind of thinking. So, But he didn't say it, though he was tempted. All right, so this is McKenzie's insight, but I won't. Uh, you know, I won't punish the audience with having him say it. Is <laughs> smart. <laughs> yes, yeah, very smart. Is if you look at the closing line, Clippers were nine point underdogs against the Jazz. So it's fair to say that they were considered to be without Kawhi six points worse than Utah if you don't consider home court. Okay. Now, if you look at the game coming up in which the Clippers are two-point home underdogs to Utah, it implies that they're four points worse than Utah. So there's been a two-point adjustment. That's a massive adjustment. The market has said, hey, Utah, you're not near as good relative to the Clippers as we thought you were. We're going to upgrade the Clippers two points. 
without Kawhi. That is a drastic big upgrade. But still, they're four points worse, and that's why they're only, the Clippers, 60%. Only 60% to win the series. Everyone thinks it's a lock, 60%. And it's exactly the same as the Hawks and Sixers. You know why? Because the Hawks are just about the same shortfall from Philly as the Clippers are without Kawhi to the Jazz. It's fascinating. And then the second McKenzie point, he said, what's fascinating is Utah actually has the worst odds to win the series, 40% chance, but they have a better odds to win the title. Right now, the title odds, 8-1 to for Utah, 9-1 to for the Clippers. And then he connected the dots. This means that inside info is out. Kawhi's out for the playoffs. There's yeah. no way that Clippers could have. Now that's not official, is it, Jones? No, no it, it's kind of a wait and see approach. But you know, they're not even saying specifically what the ACL injury is. It's just that it's an ACL injury. These are. I mean, listen. If one team is 40 percent to advance, but they've got better odds to win the title, that means that you think that team is Utah in this case is much better, even though they might lose the series. And the only way Utah's better than the Clippers is without Kawhi. Let's look at the Milwaukee game tonight. Yeah, and it's a huge game coming up later on tonight. Game six with Brooklyn up three games to two. It's the Milwaukee Bucks at home, 830 Eastern time on ESPN, a five-point favorite on pregame.com. So prop bets give us a good indication of what the betting market thinks about the health of a player or what his usage is going to be, etc., if you had to guess right now, Jonas, what is Harden's over-under for points, what would you guess? Oh, geez. Uh, 15 and a half. Ooh, Jonas, 16 and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. So, what's interesting is he scored five points in the last game. So, it's saying he's going to do much, much better. He was one for 10 on field goals. But it's about a little, you know, a little more than half of what he typically would be lined at. So they're saying this guy is very, very hobbled, and it might feel like the Nets had this locked up. But again, Milwaukee is a five-point favorite. I'm not making a bet on this one. Remember, we gave an impromptu best bet earlier, and I'll share it with you guys because I did do it earlier, is I like the Sixers tomorrow night in the first half. In the first half. I don't love this Bucks nets game either way. Ugh. I just feel like this. You can't. I think emotionally, it's going to be very hard for the Nets to keep up that energy. They know they can close out in game seven. It's tough to win game six on the road to close out a series. And then you think about how much energy Harden put into it, or check that, Durant put into it. I would lean Milwaukee. But I have zero interest to bet a team that is scared to win. And the Philadelphia 76ers are scared to win. That's why we're betting them in the first half. And I think Milwaukee is scared to win, or whatever you want to call it. They're not playing the same as they do in the regular season. They haven't for three years. So I'm going to pass the game, Jonas. 